Today on the Word Preacher Podcast, a political change, the immodest daughter of Jared, and Achish the son of Kimnor. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Right today, our Come Follow Me material will bring us to Ether chapters 6 through 11. Um, so, we previously talked about how the brother of Jared and Jared and their family and friends had come across the sea in, uh, to the Promised Land in a set of barges, and uh, they began to grow. And they determined at the end of Jared and his brother's life that uh, they needed a political change. Here's some reading. And it came to pass that they did number their people, and after that they had numbered them, they did desire of them the things which they would, that they should do before they went down to their graves. And it came to pass that the people desired of them that they should anoint one of their sons to be a king over them. And now behold, this was grievous unto them. And the brother of Jared said unto them, Surely this thing leadeth into captivity. But Jared said unto his brother, Suffer them that they may have a king. And therefore he said unto them, Choose ye out from among our sons a king, even whom ye will. That's Ether chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. So, this is sort of a slippery slope argument, which frequently is identified by people who look at these sorts of arguments as a logical fallacy. Just because you take one step doesn't necessarily mean that you will go to the, the ultimate end that it could lead to. It could stop before that, and that's why it's a fallacy. Um, the, the issue is, it's not necessarily always a fallacy. It's true it doesn't necessarily have to go that way all the time, um, but it might. Now, it is possible, this thing that they, they were talking about, having a king and the brother of Jared making the argument, surely this thing leadeth into captivity. Now, it is possible for them to have a righteous king, and Oriah the son of Jared was the first of the Jaredite kings, and he was righteous, and the people prospered. It did not lead them into captivity. So there you go, slippery slope, uh, fallacy confirmed. Except, in the end, the Jaredites were utterly destroyed. They killed one another down to the last two people over a question of who should be king. Many of the people involved in these questions of who should be king lived their entire lives in captivity. It's almost like the slope was actually slippery. It did lead into captivity. Now, we've talked a little bit about forms of government before in the Book of Mormon, um, about why having a king could be dangerous. Political power is concentrated into one person in a monarchy. 
and any one person, with the exception of Jesus Christ, has moments of good and bad in varying proportions. Even really good men like David, who was chosen because the Lord looketh upon the heart, had a really bad chain of thinking, which led him from adultery to murder and ultimately brought disaster to the kingdom of Israel. <clears throat> of course, really bad men exist too in a, in a different proportion, like Ahab, son of Omri, king of Israel, who married Jezebel and, uh, <clears throat> and brought Baal worship and all sorts of murder and, and covetousness and all manner of evil to the kingdom of Israel. Now, a good king is able to quickly execute judgment uh, that can do good for his kingdom. And the processes behind uh, organizations that divide power, like senates and congresses with debates and procedures, they can be painfully slow. But division of power is a very useful check against the evil of any one man. And because so much power is concentrated in a single person, even when they are good, the source of power, the office, tends to be a target and a high priority of those who seek power. Let's look at how this played out uh, as we keep going in Ether chapter 7. And it came to pass that he also begat Kib in his old age. And it came to pass that Kib reigned in his stead, and Kib begat Korahor. And when Korahor was thirty and two years old, he rebelled against his father, and went over and dwelt in the land of Nehor. And he begat sons and daughters, and they became exceedingly fair, wherefore Korahor drew away many people after him. And when he had gathered together an army, he came up unto the land of Moron, where the king dwelt, and took him captive, which brought to pass the saying of the brother of Jared that they would be brought into captivity. Okay, so that's uh, Ether 7, 3 through 5. So this, this guy, Korahor, <clears throat> who comes in and fights against Kib, puts Kib into captivity, uh, he becomes king. Uh, and eventually, Kib had another son whose name was Shul. Shul is a really interesting case study um, because he had a really crazy life in terms of political uprisings and, uh, and uh, discontent. Uh, Shul was angry with Korahor, his brother, for, for fighting against Kib, and he led a rebellion that was successful, and he overthrew Korahor. Noah, who was a son of Korahor, then rebelled against Shul, and Noah captured Shul and was getting ready to execute him. But the sons of Noah snuck into, or rather the sons of Shul, snuck into Noah's stronghold and slew him, returning the throne to their father. Kohor, the son of Noah, then fought against Shul, but he was unsuccessful and was slain. 
and only at the very end of Shul's reign, after going back and forth in captivity and not, uh, did people begin to start listening to something besides politics. The prophets, who, you know, preached what they typically do. The need for repentance. And when they listened to them, peace was reestablished. When a king has so much power, the physical dangers tend to take priority over spiritual matters. And that is perhaps the biggest danger. This concentration of power leads to a misprioritization of politics over God. And when people prioritize Christ less than other matters, it tends to end poorly. All right. So we move on. Let's talk about the immodest daughter of Jared. So if we fast forward a little bit, there was a guy named Omer who was king, a righteous king. And he had a son named Jared, who followed a script that had already been established and rebelled against Omer. Omer lived in captivity half his days under Jared. Um, that's, that's a lot of captivity. So Jared was successful for a long time. But Omer had two sons, Ezram and Coriantumr, who were upset with Jared and overthrew him, restoring the throne to Omer, their father. Now, Jared, who had initially been successful and then was removed from power, he was very sorrowful because he had lost his power. Jared had a daughter who proposed a conspiracy, a secret combination to get power back. Let's look at some reading. Now, the daughter of Jared, being exceedingly expert and seeing the sorrows of her father, thought to devise a plan whereby she could redeem the kingdom unto her father. Now the daughter of Jared was exceedingly fair, and it came to pass that she did talk with her father, and said unto him, Whereby hath my father so much sorrow? Hath he not read the record which our fathers brought across the great deep? Behold, is there not an account concerning them of old, that they, by their secret plans, did obtain kingdoms and great glory? And now, therefore, let my father send for Achish, the son of Kimnoir, and behold, I am fair, and I will dance before him, and I will please him, that he will desire me to wife. Wherefore, if he shall desire of thee, that ye shall give unto him me to wife, then shall ye say, I will give her, if ye will bring me, bring unto me the head of my father the king. And now Omer was friend to Achish. Wherefore, when Jared had sent for Achish, the daughter of Jared danced before him, that she pleased him, insomuch that he desired her to wife. And it came to pass that he said unto Jared, Give her unto me to wife. And Jared said unto him, I will give her unto you, if ye will bring unto me the head of my father the king. That's Ether chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. So the daughter of Jared realized something here that has 
been denied in modern times, even by well-meaning people, that women have a great influence over men. Think about what she knew. Think about her confidence in this situation. She knew that she was beautiful, and she knew that she could use her physical appearance to manipulate a situation the way that she wanted. And she was absolutely right. Now, modesty is a topic that has almost become something of a taboo in modern culture, even among members of the Church of Jesus Christ. And certainly there are circumstances in which a mostly good individual is harshly and unfairly judged or shamed for not making the right decisions about how they present themselves. It's also true that even if a woman dresses immodestly or uses their body to uh, uh, persuade people, they, they don't exactly bear full responsibility for the evil actions of men. Now, Akish may have done exactly what the daughter of Jared predicted, but Akish was the one to pull the trigger, not her, and he bears responsibility for that. All that having been said, the daughter of Jared knew that her beauty could be used to manipulate others in a negative way, and did so. Even with men completely out of the picture, women can use outward appearance to shame or manipulate one another. The Nephites frequently judged one another based on their apparel, regardless of what was under the apparel. This is a trend that continues today, even among groups of women. Opponents of teaching modesty frequently talk about how bare shoulders or short skirts or two-piece swimsuits are not a big deal. And perhaps proponents of modesty have overemphasized specific practices, although any of these practices are a bigger deal than the anti-modesty police might suggest. There is a larger principle about women and beauty that should be emphasized uh, by people who are teaching modesty. It's not that women should not influence men. That's preposterous. Of course, women have valuable input, and um, using their influence for good is absolutely critical to the thriving of our society. The, the idea, the larger principle, is that modesty is a method for influencing others in appropriate ways. If we consider an Old Testament story of Queen Esther, she took great care to prepare herself to be beautiful so that she could influence her husband, the king of Persia, to save her people. The role of physical beauty and grace and influence is a little bit different inside the covenant of marriage than it is outside of that covenant, as is the support and nurturing and influence of a wife over some female colleague. A man should consider the influence of his wife and should not in the same way consider the influence of people who are not his wife.
outside of marriage, uh, beauty and grace and goodness, they can all be expressed. But a virtuous woman uses modesty to promote the value of marriage and the laws of God, including the law of chastity, by differentiating the way that she presents herself in the covenant of marriage as opposed to without it. There is a line as well. People say, you know, everybody's responsible for their own thoughts, but there is a line. And most people intuitively understand that modesty is important in some form. We all sort of know that if a middle-aged overweight dude in a position of power exposes himself to a female employee, for example, that's bad. That's bad. And it actually is just a matter of modesty. We also understand that seeing a person who is fully clothed has a very different effect than seeing a person without clothes. We all understand that. There's a different effect that happens when we even see this difference. There is a line. If a person crosses this line through inappropriate behavior, it is appropriate to inform them to try and correct this behavior. A person who has deliberately crossed the line should probably also feel ashamed of their behavior. Certainly, if we go back to the example of the middle-aged dude exposing himself, that's not okay, and such a person should feel ashamed of this lack of modesty. A lot of the debate around modesty comes from, where is that line? Not, does it exist, but where is that line? Now, I'm not going to, uh, certainly after talking about specific, overemphasizing specific standards, I don't want to necessarily say this is the line, um, but I, I do want to suggest a couple of guidelines that are okay. Uh, parents serve their children best when they communicate consistent standards. It's not okay to dress in revealing clothing out for everyone to see. And exceptions to this should not be made if you're involved on a dance recital, a swimming activity, or some uniform for some extracurricular team. Uh, exceptions could be made if you're receiving medical care that requires you to be undressed or if you're with your spouse. Some of these standards can include things like, it's okay to cover your shoulders and your thighs and your chest as a part of consistent standards. And it's also important to note that males are not exempt from standards and that they should take efforts to dress and present themselves in a way that is appropriate for their circumstances that indicates they honor the laws of God more than any popular trend or cultural affinity or to try and influence others in any way. All right, let's move on. Uh, in the short amount of time, we have to Achish, the son of Kimnor. We have some reading about what happened. And it came to pass that Achish gathered in unto the house of Jared all his kinsfolk. And he said unto them, Will ye swear unto me that ye will be faithful unto me in the thing which I shall desire of you? 
may come to pass that they all swear unto him by the God of heaven, and also by the heavens, and also by the earth, and by their heads, that whoso should vary from the assistance which Achish desired should lose his head, and whoso should divulge whatsoever thing Achish had made known unto them, the same should lose his life. And it came to pass that thus they did agree with Achish, and Achish did administer unto them the oaths which were given of them of old, who also sought power, which had been handed down even from Cain, who was a murderer from the beginning. And they were kept up by the power of devil, of the devil, to administer these oaths unto the people, to keep them in darkness, to help such as sought power to gain power, to murder, and to plunder, and to lie, and to commit all manner of wickedness and whoredoms. And it was the daughter of Jared who put it into his heart to search up these things of old. And Jared put it into the heart of Achish, wherefore Achish administered it unto his kindred and friends, leading them away by fair promises to do whatsoever thing he desired. And it came to pass that they formed a secret combination, even as they of old, which combination is most abominable and wicked above all in the sight of God. For the Lord worketh not in secret combinations, neither doth he will that any man should shed blood, but in all things hath forbidden it from the beginning of man. So people are conspiring to do evil. This isn't something that is isolated to Jaredite society. This is a repeating trend. Happened among the Nephites. It is happening today. Faith and repentance, and I should add, not reason, are the biggest role in combating these trends. If a person ignores morality in favor of reason, they can reasonably believe that if no one discovers a crime, they can benefit. But faith is the idea that we are always seen, that there is nothing truly secret, that we must be consistent in public and in private. And repentance is trying to always be better in all of our practices alone and among others, so that all are bettered and lifted up. Jared thought that it would be okay to do this one thing to get power, but a person who justifies one bad thing because of some end still did the one bad thing. Jared's reward for unleashing Achish, the son of Kimnor, was an unleashed Achish the son of Kimnor. Here's what happened. And it came to pass that Jared was anointed king over the people by the hand of wickedness, and he gave unto Achish his daughter to wife. And it came to pass that Achish sought the life of his father-in-law, and he applied unto those whom he had sworn by the oath of the ancients, and they obtained the head of his father-in-law as he sat upon his throne, giving audience to his people. For so great had been the spreading of this wicked and secret society that it had corrupted the hearts of all the people. Therefore Jared was murdered upon his throne, and Achish reigned in his stead. When a person obtains power by evil means, that person tends to realize that others may use betrayal and evil to obtain power from them. It's like the Sith of the Book of Mormon, who know that betrayal and hatred are 
inevitable in this culture. Achish began to be jealous of his son and shut him up in prison until he had suffered death for want of food. And the people of Achish were desirous for gain, even as Achish was desirous for power. So he offered them money, and he drew away people after him. And some of his sons also began to have a war with him. And the war between all these people seeking power lasted for the space of many years, so that only about 30 people survived this craziness. A people who are willing to tolerate evil are no people at all. Their society is unsustainable. There has only ever been one way for achieving lasting power and peace. And ironically, it comes from humility and obedience. Jesus Christ taught this, Whosoever humbleth himself shall be exalted. It is his gospel. In the end, as with all other problems, Jesus is the solution to the evils of our society. In the end, modesty is about our commitment to him and to his laws more than how others perceive us, that we honor what he has deemed appropriate roles for using our bodies. Jesus is not to be consulted only after uh, political issues are handled or political processes are completed. He ought to be there first. He ought to be prioritized above all other concerns. Next week, we will be looking at Ether, chapter 12 through 15, the end of the Jaredites who fought to the last man. Of course, we appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast and encourage you to study all of the stuff we did not cover, both individually and with your family. And as always, fight on. (laughs) 